It is a beautiful, sunny, if windy day, south of Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Thanks, guys. Another great car. We'll stay in it all day. Let's be smooth, let's be fast, and let's flex on them. 10, 4. Hi, boys. This one's a marathon. Survive, have fun at the end. Nice crowd on hand as we take the green flag in Atlanta. 18 still pushing. Here comes the pass for the lead. You got majority with you. Look at turn two. two. Big spin. Yeah, we're wrecking behind you here. Hit an absolute ton. Wow, that happened fast. That bump on the two is massive, dude. Ready to go. Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, and we're back to green. KB's free. Don't pack it if you can help it. Look at left. Look at left. You're clear. Caution. This will be the competition caution. Let's not let the finish catch us. <laughs> Man, we're so much better than anybody else. What we're seeing on track, that's going to put a lot of pressure on these pictures. Here they come. Watch the one, watch the 11, watch it, watch it, watch it. Oh, that was close. A lot of congestion. Whoa. I never saw him. I was just looking at the 12. My bad. Sorry. The green flag way side by side down the front straight. Here we got three wide for the lead. 22 stuck in the middle. Oh, leader's in the wall. Keep it up there. Keep it up there. Left rear blue. Steering still straight. Copy. Bring it to us here. Well, that was crazy. William Byron will lead them back to green. Oh, oh, oh. Two cars hard in the wall. Unbelievable. And Austin Dillon, Kyle Bush crash. We just get wrecked. You know what happened? I think anything got us. 14 killed us. Oh, we're done. Sorry about that. I know we're taking it easy. I'm sure I'll get to you and everything will be broken and we'll be done for the day. William Byron picks up his 10th career stage win. Still a long ways to go. Good job, stage one. Green flag. All rolling. Give me some more of this good stuff. Side by side in the one. Four wide. Four wide. I did not think we'd see that today. Come on, you're okay. You're okay. Just a scuff. You're good. Trouble! That car's spinning, and this might be the big one! Spinning right in front of you, spinning. Clear low, clear low, clear low. We're gonna have heavy damage. Oh, we got hit in the left, hit in the nose. Come to the middle, the middle, the middle, the middle. Lower, 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 lower. Yeah! How much did we hit? Hit that hard. We got hit the right rear and turned, and they got some nose damage. Blue right rear, guys. If I could just get towed to the box, I'd be able to sound something out of this. 57 to go here in stage two. Green flag in the air. William Byron will lead the train. Just you and him. 12 is going to push you all the way down the back. Harvick will edge out in front with a push from Blaney. If I just saw it on the right rear bump stop, is that what I'm feeling? It's a possibility. Kyle Bush just barely hanging on. Woo, he saved it. Right, went to the garage. There's another change for the lead. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 47 crazy fast. Haven't lifted it. Just drives away. Tire down. Hold on. Oh! 47 went around. Austin Cedric slams into Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Dang. We were okay until the two blasted us. Are you okay? Yeah, my life that was sick. Three, two, one. Go, go, go. And that's removing equipment. We got a penalty. Green flag in the air. Whoa! Kyle Larson gets sideways. Hold the brake, hold the brake here. Hold the brake. Hold on to it there if you can. Yeah, we're done. This will end stage two. Ryan Blaney gets his second stage win of the season. Stage number three about to get underway. 
you clear the 19th stay in line outside 23 coming with you bubble wallace locks on with truex they want to go to the front this is way better than riding in the back oh, <laughs> william byron the leader for the seventh time today bubble wallace though looks inside so stay focused here deep breath oh one in the wall stay low stay low stay low oh, oh cody wow. where big a hit. vicious hit it's bad it's done 13 to go with the line. It's been a good day. Let's make it a great day. Go off you. Bubble Wallace clears William Byron in turn one. Here comes a big push to the 24. 43 all the way to you. Big shove here. Woo. Coming back to the white this time. You're all good. You're all good. Just keep coming top. Bubble goes up. Blaney hits the outside wall. Hey. William Byron will hang on and win. Another wrecking at the start base line. Catch your breath. Just catch your breath. Tell me you're all right. What a race. Awesome freaking driving. Great spot. Great team. Love you guys. Welcome to TrackSmack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Dawn Hall here for another week, and it's going to be a long show. I'm going to warn you now. We've got a jam-packed show, but it's going to be a hell of one. Mike Haig from RaceDaySA.com is here with me again, as always. Mike, man, where do we even begin? Oh, man, what a weekend we had. You know, we had the IndyCar race at Texas, which we'll get into in a little bit, an exciting finish, and then at Atlanta, you know, pack racing, drafting, the last 10 laps were unbelievable at the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. Five races, five different winners, photo finish at Texas. Man, I mean, I can't say enough about this past weekend. It was one to remember and one to go down in the record books as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to talk Atlanta. <laughs> I'm so I'm tongue tied because I don't even know where to start, but we're going to talk Atlanta. We're going to preview Coda. We're going to talk about IndyCar at Texas, which was amazing. Our good friend from the Performance Racing Network, Doug Rice, is going to join us here in a little bit. So a lot of show for you guys, but it's going to be a good one. Uh, you just heard right there again, Radioactive, of course, courtesy of Fox Sports, and you can find the Radioactives. Uh, I mean, it's up on their Twitter pages, but the best place to go is YouTube, I think, and go just type in radio NASCAR Radioactive and you'll find it. And that one was probably one of the longest ones, I think, that we've had. I mean, they they were getting into stage two, and I already thought, I thought it was getting ready to be over with because there was so much action packed in to that race. Mike, that race was almost four hours long, and it's like, it you didn't... I didn't even feel like it was a four-hour race. It was just insane. The action and stuff that we saw, I am loving New Atlanta. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, you had a close finish. The uh, William Byron, when he crossed the finish line, he was only 1.09 seconds ahead of Christopher Bell and 0.145 seconds ahead of Ross Chastain. Then Bell gets penalized a lap for passing below the boundary line on the back straightaway on the final lap. He was moved down all the way down to 23rd. Yeah. So you know, he had a second place finish there. And then we had, get this, Don, um 46 lead changes among 20 different drivers. That was a record. If you didn't like that kind of racing, you have no business watching racing. 
I mean, in my opinion, you just, you're not a racing fan. That right there, Mike, what you just said, that statistic right there is what every, I mean, to me, that sounds like the perfect race. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. 46 lead changes among 20 drivers. There was 37 cars in the field. So only 17 drivers didn't take the lead. And that's just unbelievable. And then, you know, uh, just, let me just go through the top 10 real quick because we have some names that are not really familiar with us being in the top 10. Uh-huh. Ross Chastain, he, he ends up in second place. Kurt Busch gets a third place finish this week. Daniel Suarez finishes in fourth. Corey LaJoy, how about him? Fifth place finish. Chris Buescher, uh, I forgot about Chase Elliott, he's in sixth, but then Chris Buescher is in seventh, Martin Truex Jr. in eighth, Joey Logano ninth, and Alex Bowman tenth. So uh, good good finish for some of these guys. And even guys like Justin Haley, he was 11th, and Bubba Wallace 13th. So um, some of these guys are doing really well this year, and some aren't. And and the Bubba Wallace finish is not reflective at all of how he ran. I mean, he led laps. He was up there. He got caught up there uh, in the shuffle towards the end and and got into the wall a little bit. And that pretty much took him out. So why don't we go ahead and hear from him real quick? Okay. Yeah. Let's hear from Bubba. He uh, did an interview with Bob Pockers. So Bob Pockers, you know, with NASCAR on Fox. Here's what Bubba had to say after the race and after the wreck. You hear Freddie telling him, you know, on the move, you know, kind of laid back. Did you feel like you had everything positioned the way you wanted to going there on that last lap or two? Yes and no. I was trying to get a run, and Byron was, he did a really good job. His car was fast. Um, uh, and he was lifting too uh, to, to kind of block the run, which is the right thing to do. So uh, when we seen the bottom coming, I went down to block it and thought I had a good run to not let the one get inside. And he got inside, and it was all good because I knew they would stall out a little bit. And then um, it was just bad timing of when the 12 and I got together. It looks like he hit the fence behind me, and uh, I don't know how I didn't. But from that point, it was we were just a sitting duck. And, um, you know, I seen that wreck happen. But my job is to get the best finish and stay in the gas, and that's what happens. Um, do you... When he, when Byron took the lead from you with about eight, nine, ten to go. That's where I wanted to be. Yeah. yeah you just seen like the truck race stuff and um, just going to lag back and get a run, which we would have. And, you know, the bottom, you know, cup guys are, cup guys are good. And so it, it uh, they form that bottom lane. So you have to be quick and, uh, you know, change up your thinking on, on how you're going to attack and how, how to approach it. So um, came up short. You know, I, I don't know where we ended up. Um, Feel okay. Yeah. Okay. All good. That was hard. That was hard to say about. So I think that was harder than poking up. And you heard Bob Pockers there, Don ask um, Bubba, "Are you okay?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Yeah, you know, hard hit." And he, when I was watching the video, Bubba didn't look very good. I tell you, I think he had his bell rung pretty good on that impact. But he did finish 13th, and um, I'm surprised he finished there. You know, considering uh, the accident happening, he, he was running right up there in the in the top five they're at the finish him and blaney were running so well together and and drafting you know with each other there and and like he said it was just it was kind of weird because it they kind of got disconnected a little bit and i can't i guess it was i think it was ross chastain that was behind blaney i think pushing for a little bit and uh ross's car was just super fast uh bubba got a little squirrely and 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 then blaney got squirrely and got into the fence yeah bubba went on later on to tweet 
feet after the race that again it was definitely the hardest he said well here i'll read it he said damn shitty ending p1 on the hardest hit list shout out to the ga peeps so talk about georgia peeps Right, shout out to the Georgia peeps in the infield in the infield telling me not to come back. And he said, "See you in July, Darfs." Do you know what a Darf is? No. It's a dumbass race fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's 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 great. <laughs> I love it. I love Bubba talking shit now to people. It's like it's awesome. It's just great. So. Uh, but yeah, he did take a hard uh, a hard hit. But uh, William Byron does go on to win the race. And Mike, I know we have audio from from William post race, right? Yeah, we do. Here's William Byron talking about the the practice and qualifying that they had. You know, they didn't have much time. He kind of talks about that, putting on, putting it all together to get the win on Sunday. Yeah, certainly a lot to learn uh, this weekend. I think that you know through all the things that we did to prepare, like nothing came close to what practice ended up being like so i was shocked you know how how crazy it was how big the runs were uh my spotter you know we we talked overnight it was like you couldn't talk fast enough to get to get all the things you need you needed to say so i thought he he really worked hard overnight and got a clear idea of kind of you know what needed to be said so we could work on that but you know we were not very good in practice i felt like you know we were really tight and uh, had some things that we had to work through and rudy uh, and my engineers and all the guys on the car worked extremely hard to get it better. And today was awesome. Obviously, we led a bunch of laps. It felt like we had the best car, uh, the way we could move through the field, and um, just awesome to, you know, win on kind of the inaugural race of the of Atlanta. You know, in this in this style. So, always cool to do something like that. There you go, Don. So he, uh, you know, gets the win, the fifth different winner in five races this season. He gets his ticket punch for the playoffs. One less spot. We got five guys in, and there's only 11 more spots because six can go to the playoffs. So I tell you what, some of these guys are going to be feeling the heat even more. As we go to Coda, it only gets better. And, you know, there was some guys that were having issues with tires and stuff. And I did hear later on that after Goodyear took a look at the tires, none of the blown tires were blown because of any issues that was with the tire itself. It actually, and it really was it was hitting the Chevys. And my understanding is it, it had to do with the ca- level of camber that they were running and really leaning on that right side rear, I guess, is what they were doing. So it all had to do with the setup of how the car was set up by those teams and not anything that was just a specific issue with the tire itself. So that, that was interesting, though. I mean, we were seeing guys all of a sudden, you know, just tired down and they're in the wall and stuff. One of the guys that was not happy hasn't been happy over the last few weeks and you know when he's not happy he's gonna let us know about it was kyle bush and kyle gave us an interview for the ages it was it was a dandy of one yes, it was. the video is even better so yeah. the vi- audio doesn't really do it justice gotta gotta see the video so go yeah. We'll play the audio, but you gotta go check out the video to see his face. <laughs> yeah, because now that is like the new meme, and like people have taken steals or still photos or still shots of his face and made memes with them. So it's great. It's just classic, <laughs> classic Kyle. So here's Kyle, his reaction after the crash in, in the accident with Denny. Here we go. Hey, can, can you talk about what happened with the three first of all, This type of racing is it making you more an entertainer than a driver? Yep. You like this version of Atlanta better than the old one? Nope. <laughs> and like I said, Don, his face, his expression on his face was was priceless. I mean, it was absolutely priceless. 
Yeah, I mean, basically, you heard him say, uh, well, what was the first question that they asked him? I don't even I don't, remember. I don't that. remember what the first question was. I know the second one was, do you feel like you're more of an entertainer than a driver? And he said, yep. And then the the last one, he said, you know, uh, he was asking about if he liked New Atlanta. And he said, nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> he would have liked it had he won. Oh, absolutely he would have. Kyle, again, <laughs> love love to hate the guy. I mean, he's just and, – and it's funny because I tweeted that out. I tweeted out afterwards. He'd be singing a, a different tune if his finish was better. And I got some Kyle Busch fans that came at me and they're like, that's not necessarily true because Kyle has spoken out in the past, you know, about not liking things and he doesn't mince words and stuff. But it's like, yes, he did in Victory Lane one time um, – chew out about the the car of tomorrow i mean he you know he he took some shots at it but this is just <laughs> i mean this is just kyle if you get on his in car and listen to it he bitches at everybody but himself i mean it's just it, it it's everybody else's issue but him now every now and again he he'll say something sarcastic uh or whatever but it's just he he just cracks me up and that interview was just classic classic crybaby kyle when, you know, when people say that, when they say cry, that was it right there. The pouty one word answers. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> and that'll go down on YouTube somewhere, you know, with all the others. They'll, yep. they'll add this one in. Yep, but, for sure. Uh, but Dawn, you know, I didn't get a chance to really watch the, uh, the NASCAR race until uh, Monday because I was traveling back from Dallas-Fort Worth area from the IndyCar race on Sunday evening. And we stopped in Waco to see my son at Baylor. And um, so by the time I got home, it was too late and I had DVR'd it and everything. But one of the things when I was watching on uh, Monday, taking my time going through and, and just checking out different parts of the race and really kind of focusing in, I really like the way the track looks. You know, wow. it's got a dark pavement and it's freshly painted. It's in the, the, the red and white line that they had. Was was different. I thought the cars just really adapted well to this track. I mean, we saw you know pack racing, drafting. We had lots of passing. This is a different Atlanta, and I had been there before as a spectator. Took the track tour once in a fifteen passenger minivan. So I've been around the old configuration, and I remember when I first started watching NASCAR back in the in the eighties. You know, Atlanta. Had a different configuration back then because where the back straightaway is, that used to be the front straightaway mm -hmm. years ago. So Atlanta has now, this is a, another transformation you might say that's taken place with the reconfiguration again. So it's, it's even different than it was back back in, in those days. So it's still a fast track. And I think everything they did to make this track better and different, I think it worked. I think it was a huge success. I can't wait to see the cars come back again. Oh, yeah. And we're lucky because Atlanta now back on the schedule with two races. So we will be back there in the fall. That's going to be a really, really good race. And I tell you, I I couldn't have asked for more. I, Atlanta has never – it's one track that I haven't been to. It's never been on my list of tracks that I really wanted to go to because let's face it, I don't really even like going to Atlanta. The traffic is ridiculous there. and so. But now I may I, – I think I'm going to be singing a different tune. I think Atlanta might have to, to go on my list of tracks that I need to go and, and, and visit. Yeah, I, I definitely want to go back you know, and see another race there. So, I mean, but, if you watch, list. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So 
for those of you who were like Mike and myself and were in the car heading back or heading to do something or, you know, there's a lot of people that are at home and they just enjoy listening to the golden vocal cords of Doug Rice and his gang there at Performance Racing Network. Doug had the call this week. The the guys at PRN had the call. And I mean, we were listening to him there in the parking lot at Texas Motor Speedway. But, you know, when we were getting ready to leave for uh, the IndyCar race and I mean, the action was just so intense. By the time I got home and by the time I was, I'm like, I wonder if Doug's even going to have a voice left because (laughs) this, this race is just insane. We're going to get ready to visit with Doug here about that. So we'll talk to him about that and he'll have the call at Coda this coming weekend as well. So let's, uh, if you're ready, let's, let's bring Doug Rice on. Yeah, let's bring him on. Joining us now on Track Smack Radio, one of our best friends, one of our favorite people at the racetrack. You know what? I'm just going to say he is my favorite person. He's bumped Philippe because Philippe stood us up last week. He went to bed before coming on. So (laughs) he's no longer my favorite person at the track. Doug Rice is. Uh, Doug, of course, the voice of Performance Racing Network. You heard his call there at Atlanta last week. He'll have the call at Coda this week. And then Bristol coming up too. Doug, do you have a voice left after Atlanta? That was a crazy, crazy race. Don, I'll be honest, it's the first time, and I've been doing NASCAR Cup racing now, I guess, 30 plus years, that the morning that I woke up after the race, I felt like my voice was ragged, because we had done so much play-by-play, which means you're up on the chip every lap. Oh, they're side-by-side, you know, and, and, and when we were done, I was exhausted. I... I felt exhilarated, but I was spent when that race was done. Well, Mike and I can tell you, we finished the IndyCar race a a little after two, and Mm -hmm. we wrapped up all of our uh, interview sessions and stuff and jumped in the car, and I drove Mike around to the Speedway Club from the infield. Uh, His wife was picking him up, and we were listening to you guys, listening to the broadcast, and I listened to it all the way back to my house, and I, I, that's all I could think to myself as I said, Doug is going to be worn out after this race. It's just insane. Um, the energy, I could feel the energy from you guys. In fact, and, and I say this not in a negative way, Doug, I mean, in a positive way, but a couple of your guys, it was so funny. I, I, I think Brad did it a couple of times. And then I, I, I don't remember who else it was that y'all have. Who, who do you have now that takes Steve's spot? Now that Steve- uh, Doug Turnbull was down the pits and Wendy Venturini. Okay, Doug, that's who. Yes. So there was a couple of times that it, it almost looked like he got caught up on himself because things were happening so fast that he just, it, it you know, he just couldn't feel like what he needed to focus on. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go here. <laughs> Here's what's going on in the leader. I think he was supposed to be looking at what was going on in like fifth or sixth spot, but there was so much action going on, you know, for first and second that he was just like, okay, forget fifth and sixth. Here's what's going on at the lead right now. So, uh, but that, that was awesome as a listener. I have to tell you. It was like doing play by play of a tornado. <laughs> It's going left. It's going right. No, it's coming right at us. I, I, I mean, I, I was exhilarated. I, and I know for some folks that's not their thing. But for me, having done the last 10 years of races at Atlanta and then not being that much excitement, this was just awesome. It, it's one of the best races I've ever had a chance to call. And I've done thousands. So 
take that for what it's worth. Well, I tell you, Doug, what I was impressed with is the way the track looked on TV with the dark pavement and the and then the painting and everything, and it really presented itself well on TV. The way it just showed, uh, and uh, the, I was really impressed with the with the overall racing. Uh, I mean, I've been to Atlanta myself to see a race, and also uh, just to take the track tour and everything. And I tell you, I was uh, very impressed with what I saw on on television. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I've done a lot of races there, and usually we're talking about Kevin Harvick's hugging the bottom, and he's got a seven-second lead, or somebody else does. And that's not a knock against Atlanta. They've been fortunate over the years that they've had some great finishes with Dale Earnhardt winning by an eyelash, or Jeff Gordon. Uh, Carla Edwards won his first race last five or six years. Not so much. So th- this was a big turnaround, and, and, I'm, and I'm really glad to hear you say that. Yeah, we, uh, we, we were very fortunate to see an amazing IndyCar race at Texas, and it was, it's kind of the same scenario, Doug. You know, there's uh, – now, let me back up and say this. I've never seen a bad IndyCar race at Texas. I don't know what other people have been watching or saying that they've watched. Now, I know the PJ1 kind of has played a little havoc over the last year there with them being able to have a second a second lane and stuff to get up into. But they, they came with a different package with more downforce. And whatever it was, there was so much passing. Um, I mean, it was just amazing amazing way that if we don't have the race come back to texas which breaks my heart to even think about that it was one hell of a way to send indycar away from texas but uh it was just what a great day of racing all around for us at least you know to go from that texas race that indycar race and then to hear you guys call and 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 see the end of the race there on nbc as well it just i i couldn't be happier as a race fan what what i've seen going on so if you're a race fan in North America, you had the 12 hours of Sebring. That was a great show. Then then you flip over to Texas, Texas Motor Speedway, the IndyCar race. And we were talking about that when we came on the air because obviously Joseph Newgarden, you know, pulls that out at, at literally the last second. And Jimmy Johnson finally shows up and has a good day, finishes sixth. And then, then with what we had in Atlanta, if you were a motorsports fan and you weren't excited about this past weekend, I, I don't know what else gets you there. And I'll say this. I, I saw some negative comments about the stock car race in Atlanta, and it blew my mind. Yeah. We had 46 lead changes and 20 different leaders. There were only 37 cars in the race. So over half of the cars led a lap, and we had 46 lead changes at the start-finish line. That doesn't include however many went out on the racetrack. I'm, I'm not sure what else you want. Yeah, Mike and I talked about it, too. I, I was telling him, I I was listening earlier in the week to uh, – Doug or to Doug uh to Dave Moody and you know was <laughs> listening to some of the crazy calls that he was having to take and I don't ever call in but I I tweeted out and I was really surprised because he responded um I tweeted to him I said you know I remember 
just a few years back when we talked about when NASCAR talked about the possibility of adding more than two road course races to the schedule and oh fans went nuts I don't want to see any more road course crap the drivers can't drive it it's it's a waste of time this and this and this and now you look road courses are some of the best races that we have all of the drivers now there's hardly any sort of ringers anymore uh, road course ringers because all of the drivers are cap- well capable of, of driving the most popular driver in NASCAR Chase Elliott uh, makes no bones about the fact that he loves racing on the road courses and it's and, and dave said you know what i was that person i was that person that didn't want more road courses so i see it what i don't understand from fans is you know they they complain so much about the daytona and the talladega the super speedway style racing which is what they were complaining about at atlanta yet talladega and daytona i mean whether the racing has been stinking or not has co- consistently been sellout crowds or, you know, packed houses. And obviously that's the racing that most fans want to come and see. So to have it go down to the mile and a half track, I just, I personally liked it even better than I did Daytona and Talladega so far. Mm-hmm. Don, I work in this sport and I, I cover 12 races a year. Next year, it'll be 14. And there are four races as a fan that I watch on television religiously, the two Talladegas, the two Daytonas, because I don't know what's going to happen. And I watch every lap and I say, don't call me, don't text me. I'm watching the race. And now we have two more of those with, with the two Atlanta dates. I, I, I don't get it. Um, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Then th- th- that's bad on you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you don't like about it. Uh, compare that to the Atlanta races we've had the last five years, and there is no comparison. This was so much better, so much more enthralling. I think there's a group of people that just want to be negative, and a lot of them live on Twitter. I hate to say that because I love Twitter, but there are there's a lot of negativity on that s- social media platform. I just wanted to ask you, Doug, I know a lot of times they uh, give uh, hot laps uh, rides for the media. Did you get a chance to uh, take a spin around the track at all? I did not. I did not. Um, We got there and that was all kind of a kerfuffle. So I got to pass on that. Uh, But, you know, it was a good weekend. Uh, They had some Atlanta Braves celebrities there. So I got to meet those. And that was pretty cool. Uh, I did not get to do a hot lap. Uh, I know Garrow showed up early, and he didn't get in there either. You know, they got to take care of the sponsors. Got to take yeah. care of the people spending the money. I was just wondering if you if you guys uh, got any were able to actually see the the physical changes up close that that, that 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 were done to the track. Oh, I can tell you by walking out to the racetrack, uh, you could dramatically see the difference. And four degrees doesn't sound like that much until you see it. Mm-hmm. And then I walked out on the racetrack and looked at the asphalt and how smooth it was compared to what the asphalt used to be, which was a cheese grater. So, <laughs> I mean, you could, you could, even without being in a car, you could tell the, the big differences in, in the construction and what Steve Swift the, the guy from SMI did to make that happen. And he should be applauded. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was telling Don back in, I think it was 2012, when I was there for, as a spectator f- to take a track tour, uh, I did a uh, 
track tour in a 15 passenger van and the guy got up real high on the banks in three and four and he said i'm going to show you what it's like to come down on pit road and i mean you come down and it's a hard transition and the whole thing shook and and he said this is this is what the guys have to go through when they come down off the turn in, into the the lower part there where the pit road is and i was in never really realized how small and narrow pit road is at at that track and it still is um I've done that same thing. I've probably done 5,000 track rides for people at Charlotte Motor Speedway, which was very similar to Atlanta. And you stop in the middle of the banking, which is only 24 degrees, and, and everybody's clenching in the seat because they're leaning over. And add four more degrees to that, which is it, it, it's kind of like how they measure earthquakes. If it's a six-point earthquake, Versus a seven, it's a lot more. And that's the way it is with the banking at the racetrack. So I think they did a good job. I, I feel like this is going to provide a high entertainment venue for a long time. Um, I won't be surprised if next year in the spring they don't cut back on the miles. That race took four hours to run, three hours, 57 minutes. So that's that's too long if you're not the Daytona 500 or the Coke 600. So I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't trim back the mileage a little bit, but, but outside of this, let's go. Okay. Visiting with Doug Rice from the Performance Racing Network. Uh, Doug, before we talk about Coda uh, coming up this weekend, I, w- I want to just kind of pick your brain on what we've seen so far, which I think is some of the best racing. This car, everything everything that NASCAR has done and, and figured out so far, I, as a fan, am loving. I love seeing the new names that we're seeing and, and the battles that we're seeing with guys that we're not used to seeing up in the pack or up at the front. I like seeing the guys that we are used to seeing up at the front extremely frustrated because they're not <laughs> um it, it's just it's bringing new energy uh, for me personally it's it's making me not want to miss not even one lap of a race because i'm afraid i'm going to miss something um but looking ahead at some of the some of the tracks that are coming up and, and let's just say texas i mean that's going to be a little while but mike and i were talking how important in your mind is the all-star race going to be for Texas motor speedway itself. I'm seeing all of these tracks, Doug, that are selling out or having these large crowds that are there, you know, almost sellouts. And I have to imagine that the pressure is on for Texas motor speedway, uh, with, with this big all-star race in itself. And then, you know, it'll be really and truly to see Texas. Now Atlanta was its sister track. And so to, to not have that, we really won't see anything, similar to what we will see at Texas when it comes to this car and how we see it at Texas. Well, Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR at the end of last year called out Texas Motor Speedway and said, there's no excuse for you guys to have this few fans in one of the biggest markets we race in. Maybe the biggest market. What is it? 10 million people live in the Dallas Fort Worth area Yeah, within 60 miles of the speedway mm-hmm. and the attendance at the last race was not good. It's not, not good at all. When you get called out, you've got to step up. So, and that's, that's the company that I work for and all, you know, being honest, I work for speedway motorsports. Trust me. I know they heard that they are going to do everything humanly possible to get people in there. But the biggest thing that's going to help them has been the racing leading up to it 
I mean, we've had five races this year. And, and Don, you said this. All of them have been high-level interest shows. Each and every one of them have been watchworthy. We've had five different winners. So I think that makes their job a lot easier. Just get the word out. Hey, the best of the best are going to be here. We're going to run the all-star race, and you need to show up. And, and I think they'll respond. I mean, I remember the crowds initially at Texas Motor Speedway. But I will say this. Everybody in the last few years took a hit on attendance. And this year, there's there's been a renaissance in NASCAR. And I and I will say this: I think a big part of the bump was the clash the Coliseum. Yeah, I think I think that grabbed people's attention. They went, "Look at that! They're racing in the LA Coliseum," and people that never watched a lap of racing in their life suddenly found out about NASCAR. I agree with you, Doug. And Mike and I've talked about this uh, over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think it's that. I think it's the changes that NASCAR has made with uh, embracing and opening themselves and, and, and putting it out there, you know, how we are an inclusive environment and we want we want as many fans from as many different backgrounds and stuff, you know, as possible to be at these races. That, you know, it's, it's all about coming out and enjoying what we all love, the sport that we love. And I think people have really seen the efforts that NASCAR has taken. Um, Mike, I I told Mike, he's got to watch, he's got to finish watching Bubba Wallace's documentary or docuseries thing. It was amazing. Um, And, and I, I personally think that a lot of that has made a difference because you're seeing a lot of fans that, that you haven't seen in the past, a lot of faces, a lot of people saying it's their first time and they're, they're sold, they're in. And I love it. I think it's great. I've always felt like that the grandstands and more importantly, the competitors need to reflect America. Mm-hmm. We're not there with the competitors yet. We, we have a Hispanic driver in Daniel Suarez and an African-American driver, a black driver, how you want to say it in Bubba Wallace. And, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And you take everybody else's picture, throw them up on a board and they all look alike. Uh, but that that doesn't happen overnight. And you know this in this sport, you have to you have to earn your stripes. You have to get up there. But I think we've made strides. And I think there that there are stratas of the public that are watching NASCAR that have never paid attention to it before. And that's all good. It's all about eyeballs and attention and people wanting to listen to it on Sunday or watch it on Sunday or you know, the ultimate thing, buy a ticket and go out to a racetrack. Right. And I think pit road is more reflective though, is, is becoming more reflective. <laughs> uh, maybe not so much the drivers, but pit road, the diversity that you're starting to see on pit road. Um, and you know, the, a number of females working in the industry now and, and Mike, and I can tell you on the IndyCar side, there was a lot of females over on the IndyCar side uh, as engineers and, and working on pit road and stuff. In fact, I, I talked with a, a, a young lady and I say young, cause we're the same age. <laughs> uh, she's been in IndyCar. She's been a tire carrier for 22 years. She's with Jimmy Johnson's team. And I'm like, wow. Tw- I mean, that, that says a lot. Cause you don't, I mean, that's, she's been around for a long time and I, and I loved it. I called her the, the boss lady. She was, uh, she was just awesome to watch. Well, I think that's a big part of it. And I, it's not a novelty anymore to see females working on pit crews, uh, African-Americans and other people that 
don't look like what folks think are the are the norm for this sport. And that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's only going to help grow the sport. But at the end of the day, I still think the athletes in the these race cars uh, at some point need to be a little bit more reflective of the population. And that will happen. It'll happen organically. Yeah. For sure. And I believe NASCAR's they they realize that. They know that's important. I mean, they would love to have a female driver in NASCAR that was competitive, not not and not a novelty act, but somebody that could come in and week in and week out you look at it and go, okay, she can win. Yeah. Because you know, selfishly, that helps them. Oh yeah, it does. Doug, I wanted to ask you before we run out of time. Uh, the series uh, shifts over to the first road course race of the of the season at Coda this uh, weekend. Uh, I know they've done a lot of work on the track. They've repaved different parts of the track. Uh, it, the track, is, what I've been told, looks amazing. And uh, with this new car, I think we're going to see a really uh, good event this weekend. What do you think? Well, we got cheated last year with the weather. It, you know, it rained on and off for three days down there. The cup race got called short and um, Chase Elliott won. I believe, Mike, with this next-gen car and how everybody tells me that it's much more sports car-like, that it could be an IMSA-type car as opposed to a stock car, that their ability to race on a road course is going to be enhanced. The weather from – all I hear is supposed to be mid-80s, no rain. So we'll find out. I, I think this is going to be a spectacular show. And, and, I, and I say these things and I try not to sound like I'm hyping NASCAR because I don't. They, don't. they don't write me a check. But I just feel like, you know, we've got this really sporty car. We've got, uh, Don alluded to it earlier, we've got drivers now that we don't have to bring in trainers. Um, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sendrick, they're all pretty good road course races. There's in there that I didn't mention. So I, I think this is a great opportunity for NASCAR to showcase on a worldwide stage in the sense that that's the only approved Formula One track in North America. Now, they may race – from what I'm hearing on the uh, streets of Las Vegas next year. But, you know, for right now, that's, that's the track that F1 says our cars can race on. And I think, I think NASCAR will go down there and put on a really good show. Well, you know, when you look at the race at Atlanta last week, and then we have Coda this week, and then we go to what Bristol the next week. Is that right? I think Bristol's Bristol's Easter weekend. So it's a couple of weekends away. But anyway, when you look at the schedule, I think NASCAR's really hit a home run on this change of schedule and uh, putting the, some of these races in different places uh, this year. Well, I, I like what I see. Uh, what what I like is the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, you could look at the schedule, you could take the old schedule, roll it over to the next year, and you knew where we were going to be. Two races here, two races here. And they've blown all that up. And I love that. I, I, you know, yeah. uh, we're going to St. Louis this year. We haven't been, you know, NASCAR Cup Series has never been there. 
and we're we're trying out new venues and i i think this comes from people that are running this show that realize that you've got to go to where the people are and that's why i think the la coliseum thing was such a hit they didn't ask people to drive 50 miles outside of la walk over to the la coliseum this is what we do and people went well that's pretty cool and and I, I hate to think that one event was that big, but it, but I really think it was. I think that has sparked a renaissance in NASCAR. I mean, you guys follow it. You, you look at the TV ratings every week four four point five million people are watching. That's a lot of folks. And usually every weekend, it's the number one sporting event on television. Now, you go up against the NFL, you'll lose, but but right now, uh, NASCAR is in a pretty sweet spot, and I hope it continues. I think it's going to. I do, too. Well, to Mike and I said, to me, the test was California. And, you know, when they – and the crowd was amazing there. And I know people don't care about celebrities who show up or not, but to what you just said, there were several celebrity interviews that were done with folks that had gone to the L.A. Coliseum and – enjoyed it so much that they went to California and, and, you know, and, and had to check out the race there. And, you know, I know people again, get kind of in about the celebrity thing, but Hey, those people have social media pages and those people have huge networks uh, of people who follow them. And so, you know, it's good if that happens, if you get those people out there uh, spreading the word. My old boss, Humpy Wheeler was big on that. Humpy always had a couple of celebrities show up at Coca-Cola 600 weekend. Even if they were B-listers, he goes, these folks will be on the TV news. The reporters will chat with them. They'll make news. And so for celebrities to show up at Auto Club after they were in L.A. because they were excited about it, yeah. I, I had a small event happen when we did the Atlanta race. They brought in a couple of uh, ex-Braves, and they brought Dale Murphy in. And Dale, Dale was popular when I was following the Braves in the 90s. A great baseball player. And he walks in, and we're chatting with him. And he was like an eight-year-old. I've never seen this. This is the greatest thing on the planet. How did I not come to Atlanta Motor Speedway? And all of a sudden, you've got a guy with a nice platform as an ambassador for the sport. So that's where the celebrity thing comes in because they go out, they get excited and tell other people. But right now, five races in, NASCAR's in a really good spot. Let's go to Coda, have another good race. And, you know, it, I don't know we're ever going to be where we were in the late 90s and early 2000s. But um, for the people that have, you know, found it popular four or five years ago to say NASCAR's dead, it's done. Uh, unfortunately they were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, this, this past weekend at IndyCar, I actually took a really good friend of mine, Philip Tanner. He played for, he was a running back for the Dallas Cowboys and a special teams assistant coach for them under Jason Garrett. Uh, now he coaches locally at a high school here. He's under John Kitna, who's the head coach there. Uh, but I took him to his first race this weekend and it was just so interesting to get his take. He was uh, of course blown away by the access that you have, you know, he's trying to equate it 
to him being on the field and, you know, or trying to get in the locker room and get dressed. And here's folks walking in, you know, and talking to him and stuff and just blown away. And I told him, I said, if you, well, and, and we stood behind the pits behind Jimmy's pit. And he said, this is the show. And he said, I love the racing but this is the show. These guys are the show. And I said, Oh, absolutely. The pit crew. And, and I said, but if you think this is a show, I'm bringing you to NASCAR because, <laughs> because they don't go set the tires out there and wait for the car to pull up. I'm like, they're on the wall getting ready to jump. You're going to love it. Um, Doug, before I let you go though, I got to find out. I saw you take a little ride around with Ty Dillon around Bristol motor speedway. Uh, you went, you went dirt in there for a little bit. Tell me about it. How's the track feel? How's it looking? It's really cool. Uh, Ty Dillon has a long dirt track background and we talked about that. And then at the end of the press announcement, when they said that Ty was going to be sponsored by game, they said, well, he's going to be in a Packer car. He'll drive you around the racetrack. And it was really cool. One, he is a neat guy. He is a very personable guy. He's, he's somebody that if, if people get to know him, he's easy to pull for. Uh, but seeing the, seeing the dirt track up close and him telling me about now, you know, we're going to be up here and the cushion comes in and this is where we lean. And it was a little bit eye opening because I'm not a dirt track guy, mm -hmm. but we'll be up there in a couple of weeks called the, the race on the dirt. And I think it will be better because it's going to be at night. It won't be as dusty and hopefully we won't have eight inches of rain the night before, but um, that, that, that was really cool. Ty is a neat guy. It was fun to get around it. And I have over the last two years magnified my dirt track knowledge times a thousand. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the chili bowl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good stuff. I, I still got to get out. I live 30 minutes from the track. I got to get to the dirt track out here at Texas so uh, and check it out. But I mean, I get it. I, I get why people get excited. But, you know, I I do want to touch on one thing. I don't want to sound like a hype machine, but I've, I've lived through this morass of the last five, six years where NASCAR just didn't resonate with people. And all of a sudden, and I can't explain it, it does. And, and, and it's nice. It's nice to be on the positive side and to see the sunshine and see people talking about racing in a good way. So I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Yeah, we are too. Well, yeah, Doug, we are too. We appreciate you as always taking time to, to join us and we'll be listening to your call along with the rest of your crew from the performance racing network all weekend long from circuit of the Americas. They're in beautiful Austin, Texas. Thanks for guys. Have me on anytime you want to. Okay. Thank, thank, you, thank you so much. All right. Y'all be good. All right. Well, thanks again to Doug Rice with the performance racing network. We always love having Doug on with us. I mean, Doug is like my mentor. I, I just, I love Doug. He really is. He always gives us good advice and, and what he says is really sound. I mean, he knows, he knows what he's talking about and he's a very positive person about the sport of NASCAR and, and, um, he, he loves it. He's, you know, you can tell he truly loves what he, what he's doing. And those guys over at PRN do a great job broadcasting. And I always love to listen to their races. So 
Doug, thanks for coming on again, too. And, and don't forget, Doug, also, they do the Fast Talk show and, and some other shows there. You can go check it all out at goprn.com uh, for more information. And you can also follow Doug um, on Twitter. Doug's a great follow. <laughs> yes, he is. And he's got a great uh, little man cave there with uh, we didn't, you guys that are listening can't see it. But we, we saw it and he's got a, a lot of sci-fi stuff. He's a big Star Trek fan, and he's got some great dogs. I think his dogs are named after Star Trek characters and stuff. He's got some schnauzers, so yeah, he's great got, guy, great yeah, guy. He is. Um, so we mentioned, you know, Doug will have the call at Coda. Mike, you will be at Circuit of the Americas there in Austin. I will not be able to uh, be there this coming weekend for that race, but gosh, yeah, I mean, it's a track you've been to numerous times. Yes, and last year was the inaugural race, which turned into like a swamp, uh, swamp it was a boat race. race more than boat anything race. else. Yeah. It, but this this year is uh, the Echo Park uh, Automotive Grand Prix NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Pit Boss Two Fifty is going to be held on Saturday, and uh, the Expel Two Twenty Five Xfinity Series race is also going to be held Saturday. So we got two races Saturday. There's qualifying and practice on Friday, and then the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, uh, which is the cup race, that's going to be on uh, Sunday, and it'll be on Fox, and you can listen to the radio call on PRN or Sirius XM, and uh, 2.30 Sunday is the start time, Dawn. On Saturday, the, uh, let's see, the uh, Camping World Truck Series race will be at noon, and the Xfinity race, the 250 NASCAR Xfinity Series race will be at 3.30 p.m. And boy, they've got all kind of stuff going on. They have a concert both days. They they have uh, in the Grand Plaza area, all these food trucks. They have stilt walkers. They're doing a, a dog show with these dogs that are like do these tricks and everything. They've got an axe throwing mm-hmm. thing that you can do. And uh, they've got all kind of stuff. They even have a whole bunch of driver interviews. Uh, no, I'm not driver interviews. Driver autograph sessions for the fans. Oh, well, that's good. Unlike anything I've seen in a long time at any NASCAR race. So on my website, I have a, I listed all the times and dates uh, for the three days that the driver is going to be making appearances. And um, so check that out. I'll, I also have the full schedule when all these other events are on my website. And uh, there's a lot of information at NASCAR at Coda. You go to NASCAR at Coda.com. There's a specific website that's been put together just for this race. It's separate than the Circuit of the Americas. There's also plenty of tickets, uh, still good tickets that you can get different sections. And I, from what I understand, they sold a bunch of tickets. So should be a good race. And Mike, tell us a little bit about the track itself. Well, the track is, uh, this is where Formula One races. It's a 3.4 mile road course. And it has um, like 20 different turns. And it, and when, when you're on the front straightaway, it goes up a huge hill and it takes a sharp left turn. And then it goes into like these S's and then it winds around and the, there's a straightaway that um, they really get up to high speeds. And I'm talking like 100 and maybe 80 miles an hour. And all of a sudden they have to brake and do a sharp turn and everything. But I've been around the track before, uh, pace car rides and uh, ride alongs and everything and Boy, I tell you, there's a lot of G-forces in these turns on these cars, and you really have your work cut out for you. You know, 3.4-mile-long course, that's a lot. That's a long – it takes them a long time to do a lap. Yeah, I was going to say, so, how many laps are is the cup race? The cup race is going to be uh, 68 laps. There will be stages at 15 laps and 30 laps and then 68, 
the uh, Xfinity race will be a 46 lap race, and then the truck race will be uh, 42 laps. But it don't take you know very long, six to eight laps. It's not a real long race, but it but it's still a lot of miles. You know when you do all the figuring and everything. You mentioned the SSI. Does it does Coda have a, like a chicane in it? Not really a chicane, um, but they have uh, some very sharp turns. Okay. Okay. Which is almost you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I've never been there, so I, again, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the track itself. Uh, I know you've been there numerous times, so it's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I know last year's race, I mean, yeah, other than it, the rain, was really, you know, treacherous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was treacherous, but people were really in, you know, into it and stuff, and looking forward yeah. to it. Now with this new car. It's going to be really interesting to see how this car, again, first road course of the season, uh, this this car has done wonders on regular tracks and stuff. So I can't wait to see what we, you know, what it's going to be like here on the road course. Yeah, the defending winners are Chase Elliott and Cup. Kyle Busch won the uh, Xfinity race last year, and um, Todd Gilliland won the, the Truck Series race. But one of the guys that's going to be racing Dawn is A.J. Almendinger. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did a media availability interview with the media the other day, and uh, he's uh, really looking forward to the track. There was a, they asked him the question about how different Coda is compared to other race courses that are road courses, and so let's go and hear uh, what AJ Allmendinger had to say about the difference between Coda and other road courses. Here we go. Yeah, Ashley, I think it, it's the length of the the lap. First of all, uh, it's it's very long. Uh, you know, it, it's unique in the sense of you know so you take like a sonoma right it, that that is pretty low speed corners all the way around the racetrack uh you even take road america and you know the length is is probably even probably longer than coda uh the lap times are are probably a little bit quicker which means that racetrack's more high speed a lot of the corners are, are mid-speed corners to high-speed corners uh coda is probably unique in the sense of just the flow of the racetrack very high speed in certain sections long straightaways but into very tight break zones uh the s's you kind of flow a lot of speed through them so that is what is is probably different than every other racetrack that we go to is those road courses are, are kind of just one type of racetrack they're either pretty high speed low speed uh code has got a little bit of everything there and you know, I felt like on the Xfinity race, because that was the, the dry race that I ran in, passing was more difficult than I expected. So track positions even credit more critical there than I would say at other racetracks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's probably what is was most different out of that racetrack compared to the other ones that we go to. So anyway, Don, so that's what he had to say about the uh, road course, you know, being different. And, and it is different. Like you'd asked me the question about the length and stuff of it. And it's 3.4 miles. Some of these road courses that that these guys are on, the other ones are only like a couple miles long. Mm-hmm. So the, the fact that it's longer, there's more turns. And and the, the transition areas, like the guys will talk about, there's parts of it. You know, you're, you're driving really, really fast and you have to brake and you have to make sure that you – break at a certain time and start slowing down or you can run off the course. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's de- definitely different. And that's what makes like formula one. This is a certified formula one track that these formula one cars race very good on this track. There's a lot of grip and everything that's really made for like any car, formula one cars, stock cars. It's really not a stock car track, but they proved last year 
that they can race on this this course and it's um definitely going to be a good race especially with the fact that this weekend there's no chance of rain the guys i tell you what uh it's going to be a lot different this year considering the fact that the conditions the weather conditions are different well they're they're lucky we we were lucky this past weekend that we had beautiful weather at indycar because the very next day on monday it was like the skies opened up all day long rained up here rained down there in san antonio uh rained in austin we had tornadoes all over the daggum state it was crazy so hopefully we got all that bad weather out of the way for this weekend and it's going to be beautiful there in the austin area uh, i know you've got some more audio from a couple of other guys i know it was it was fun listening to dinger people forget it. aj you know aj's won several road course races uh throughout different series so aj is definitely somebody to to have if you're playing fantasy and stuff, you may want to look at the dinger there for, for one of your fantasy picks. Yeah, I think I might uh, consider it because I need some help. <laughs> the next driver we have to hear from is uh, Chase Briscoe. And uh, here's uh, what his thoughts about Coda are. Yeah, I feel like f- from the racetrack standpoint, I'm kind of going there for the first time just because last year I don't I don't think I ever ran a single lap in the dry. I think we practiced qualified everything in the wet. So. It's going to be like learning a whole new racetrack this week. Um, I know from a facility standpoint, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. It's, it's super cool to go out there. The, the fans, even last year in the rain, there was a ton of them out there. So I'm excited to see uh, what it looks like this year. And, and from a city standpoint, I didn't really do a ton of exploring last year, but I know Austin's a really cool town from you know everybody else that's, that's kind of explored. That's something I'm going to try to do a little bit more this year while we're there. Uh, just because we're there a little bit longer than typical. So, yeah, I'm super excited to get back. You know, I'm I'm really excited, truthfully, just to, to get this next-gen car on a road course. And I think by themselves, when I've ran them at the Roval, they're a blast to run on the road course. I'm curious what the racing will be like. I think it'll definitely change the landscape of these road course races. I think you're going to see a lot more guys be competitive than, than years past because you can drive this car so much harder. It does a lot of things a lot better than the old cars. So, It'll be interesting to see kind of how that that works out, plays out. But, yeah, I'm super excited to get out there. It uh, looks like the weather's going to be really good and should be a yeah. great show. All right, Don, so there's Chase Briscoe done wonders this year already. So with this new car, he's looking forward. You know, he's real excited about his chances and um, has just as good of a shot as anybody else on a course like this. And you never know. Um, with this new car, he might be able to pull off a you know a good strong victory. Uh, another guy we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, uh, he hosts Counting Pennies, and he's also uh, been finishing really high up. He may be counting more than pennies here soon, with uh, as close as he's been getting to uh, that top five in victory lane. And stuff had a top five finish, didn't he? Finish in the top five. You said he finished in the top five at Atlanta, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so Coy LaJoy, he has been kicking ass, I should say, uh, the, these past few weeks. And I know you said uh, Corey had some uh, some takes, too, on what he's looking forward to or, or what we might be seeing at Coda as well. Yeah, the reporter that asked the question in the interview was about the heat. This weekend, the temperature, the forecast is calling for sunny skies and about 86 degrees Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was beautiful, perfect weather for South Texas in Central Texas up in Austin. But this is the hottest it's going to be at a track for the drivers so far this year. Hmm. You know, we've been racing out in Florida. We've been racing in California. We were out at Atlanta. The temperatures are much cooler. But the heat is going to be different. This will be the first test that the drivers have in this new car in the heat. And then you take a dry racetrack that doesn't have any rubber on it because they just got through doing most most of the pavement 
has, has been is newly fresh pavement on this uh, track as well, so it doesn't have a lot of rubber laid down yet. So the, so he talks about the heat and the track. So here's what Corey has to say. Uh, man, I'll be I'll be honest. I think the heat inside the car is less with this car with the changes they made to the windshield neck of duck with the with the uh, slots in the rear view or in the rear window. The cockpit temperature five races in seems to be slightly cooler than than the previous car. It'll be the first true test to your point this weekend being, you know, in the upper 80s and you're working hard at a road course. You're you don't really get a break besides the straightaways. And then you're making, you know, eight, nine hundred pounds of, of braking force and you're turning right, turning left, working muscles that you generally don't work at uh, on, a, on an oval. So you're going to be winded. You're going to be your, your heart rate's going to be up. Uh, so this will definitely be the first test on heat. Um, but I think that my guys have done a good job keeping um keeping the air circulating in the car well uh, the cool shirt systems are, are working well and, and helmet blowers as well so um but this will definitely be a good test to see uh how hot is real hot so anyway don there you go about the heat and stuff so i i, I think it's going to be a, a factor to a certain extent but 86 degrees is not really really hot and you know um these guys are, are used to racing at tracks that it's much hotter and Actually, you know, there's a saying that the humidity is not going to be as bad. So I think that they'll be okay. But it'll be interesting to see if any of them do experience any trouble with the with the heating and cooling, you know, their cooling systems and how it works with this new car. So um, keep your eyes out as that is a possible storyline. You never know when Mother Nature just wants to insert her 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 dominance if she, if she wants to if she wants to whip up something out there so i'm gonna do the old ridiculous pun but let's shift gears a little bit mike and uh let's talk a little indy car uh if you uh if you didn't see the indy car race at texas well we got a little something for you to hear You're, you missed a good one scott mclaughlin he's comfortable right now but he does have the number two breathing down his neck Joseph's back there saving fuel, and then he's eventually going to come after us. Johnson's saving as well. He'll be fine. He only fitted one lap before us, so I'm sure he'll turn it up here shortly. We just need to make sure we got good tires underneath us. So this is a little cat and mouse at the moment between the teammates. Okay, we can run as hard as we want. Fuel is not a problem. Up to you now, just you and Joseph. Fuel is working a high line. Here comes Joseph Dugan on oh. the high side. One looking outside. Even. There. Joseph Dugard will steal the win! Holy f***! Oh, it's a man! You're a man! That's how it's done! Let's go! Good team! Saving three and four for the last two. Nice! I can't believe it! That's unbelievable! You guys are so good! This guy here will be devastated. 186 laps left. Okay, good jump. Good point to die here. On the trap at the wrong time, man. He just sent it up there and made it stick. Sorry, guys. You did everything right. Sorry. Uh, no, dude. We're good here. It's about learning. He's been through this plenty of times. Now we've done it once. We'll be fine. We'll show him how we're going to do it next speedway. we got fast cars. Wow. So that right there, Mike, that is the 2022 Race Radio's last lap called that... IndyCar is doing, and, and people can find that on the IndyCar website? 
on on uh, YouTube, yes. Oh, on YouTube, yeah. So uh, not only do we have Radioactive for NASCAR, now we've got IndyCar doing something similar. And uh, I, re- I really enjoyed that. That was uh, exciting. But I was standing out there. I was standing in victory lane at that point. Just, I mean, so exciting. Pulled it off. It was sad for Scott, uh, Scott McGotten, who, you know, just... Uh, had the fir- the win there at the the very first race of the season and was doing everything that he needed to do. It led so many laps during the race. Uh, lots of passing, just like in the NASCAR race. There was so many passes. Uh, great side-by-side racing. You had a second group that actually did come in. They were kind of concerned if that was going to happen, and it did. Uh, Jimmy Johnson goes on to get his best IndyCar finish uh, of, the, of his career yet. Sixth-place finish. And there was times when, actually, I thought Jimmy, I thought he had finished fifth is what I had thought originally. I guess he got past there towards the end, but uh, Jimmy was running really, really well. Well, what happened there at the end, Scott Dixon decided that, Jimmy, you're not going to pass me. I'm going <laughs> to pass you back. And that's what happened. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm happy with a couple to go. I was in fifth. And then uh, we were worried about fuel. We had an issue with the telemetry and didn't know how much fuel I had saved. So I got a panicked, you know, fuel number that I had to hit and I could tell by the urgency in their voice they were serious about it so at that point I couldn't really race with Scott and uh and try to hold on to fifth but um what what a you know two-day um adventure this has been to be able to get enough laps in the race to feel the tires from start to finish green flag stops um being in dirty air and just how uncomfortable and treacherous that is you know all of those little mistakes and little little moments gave me a sense of the car and helped me feel you know really how to drive this car and how to create speed and then you know second half of the race I started working my way forward that final stint um you know had a a very competitive car and and wish that I had maybe started the race a little further forward I think I could have finished a little further forward did you feel like you got stronger as the race went on was you're banking all these experiences quickly obviously and by the end of it maybe you wanted another 50 laps or so to go with this thing yeah another 50 would have been awesome (laughs) i would have really really enjoyed that uh not only did i um grow and improve but you know through my growth i've been able to give better feedback to the team and eric cowden made some amazing adjustments to the car and and really kind of put it into its window um for that last stint and uh really showed and that was jimmy johnson post-race at texas so mike i know we've got lots of other interviews as well uh i guess to follow up jimmy who else better to start with than the man the guy that i told you last week just oozes charisma joseph newgarden Okay, so here he is. This is the the uh, the interview at the front straightaway from from NBC with uh, New Garden, and then also Scott McLaughlin comes in. So here we go. Now in the world, sixty-seven one hundredths of a second. How did you pull off that pass for the win? Oh my gosh, I was I was I was fuming in the car because we had all this traffic and I, it wasn't helping me. And then right when I needed it to help me, it helped me. Literally last corner, last lap, the traffic helped me out. Oh. Unbelievable PPG car in victory lane. Also our expel car. How about Scott? I think he led like 95% in the laps. I hate doing that to a teammate, but, uh, you know, I was going for it just like he was. We were driving hard. Man, I was loose. I was driving things sideways off of 3-4 every lap. I was trying to get a run, but Team Chevy, what an unbelievable job, right? We, you know, we showed up, got the pull, got the win uh, for Team Chevy's camp, and just so pleased for everybody. It was so, so good to drive this PPG car again with Team Chevy. You, you mentioned the battle with a teammate. You are driving for your own team. But how do you handle that conversation now with Scott? I, 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 don't, know, I don't know 
know what he's going to say. There he is. Dude. Dude. I was, I was living. Because yeah. I was counting you with all the oh, no, Literally. I had no, I had no ties left in the front. Saw that I, I was like, you know what? I, I want to tie. I said, if I hit the fence, I'm going to hit the fence. I didn't know if you were going to go up there, though. You ever had a more dramatic win and pass for the win than that? Never, never. Last lap, uh, last corner, that's that's what it's all about at Texas. I hope we come back. Let's come back. Joseph Newgarden, a cowboy hat, and some six-shooters awaits. Well, uh, Scott McLaughlin breaking this one down with his engineer, Ben Bretzman. Man, what are the emotions? How do you how do you process that one, Scott? I mean, second's a great day. Um, unfortunately, we let a lot of laps and... Uh, at the end of the day, we, we lost a bit. If you're going to lose it to anyone, your teammate's the guy you want, want to uh, you know, lose it to. So congrats to J Joseph and his PPG team. But, um, yeah, gutted I couldn't get down for X-Pal and Chevy. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're there. And, and I learned a lot this race. It's going to you know, bode us pretty well going to the speedway. But, man, I'm gutted. It'll hurt. It's how it is. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of how we've run. Take us behind the wheel. What was your view of what was happening and how much of a factor do you think lap traffic was going to play? Yeah, I mean, it was always going to play some sort of a part. It's just oval racing. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I, my car wasn't probably as good as it had been in traffic the whole race. Um, and I, was, I knew I was building push, I was building tightness. And once he sort of got a wing on me on the outside there, I, I couldn't come up and block the line. Like, it was, that was sort of stuck, you know. And I thought about going the outside of Malukas at the end there and... and uh, I was worried that I would push up into the into the grey into the into into the fence. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I'll learn from this, I'll grow from this, and just get on with it. But you know, I thought, thought we want to put on a really good good race. Had that not been a teammate and a good friend, would you make a different move there and maybe block that move? I don't know. I mean, yeah, for sure. Now, probably next time I think about it. But things are happening in a split second. I'm a human. I got to learn it. And that was the first opportunity of me leading a race to the end with a guy at my backside. Um, I don't know, but, you know, I'm a clean driver. I just, yeah, just didn't do it today. And, and unfortunately, that's how it is. Um, but, you know, the guys are great pit stops. Really proud of them. Had some great fans out here today. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for what's next uh, in the next few weeks. To put a good spin on this, you finished second here last year. You were thrilled out of your mind. Today you finished second, and you're crushed. Yeah, I am, but uh, that's part of the development. And we're going to keep getting stronger, and I've got a lot more to learn. Um, I'm just... Yeah, thankful for, you know, turning a hobby into a profession and just enjoying it. What a drive from Scott McLaughlin. It's not the win, but it's second, Kevin. And Don, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I think Scott McLaughlin's going to be in victory lane many times this season. Yeah, and, and here's what's so funny, Mike, is uh, going back and listening. I mean, I was in victory lane there, and uh, in fact... Folks can go back and on my Facebook page and on Twitter. I put video up there and Instagram. So I've got videos from Victory Lane, all of that. You can see Joseph Newgarden. So excited. I've never seen – I mean, Joseph's always, like, really – charismatic and stuff but i've never seen him as animated as he was i don't even think when he won his championship i saw him as animated as he was there in victory lane him and scott mclaughlin sitting there talking they went into the media center and did interviews and and were interviewing each other carrying on during the interview it was so funny to just listen we all kind of just sat back and let them talk for a little bit and and ask each other questions but one of the other things that was so cool was again it was roger penske's 600 victory throughout or over a span of all of his motorsports uh that penske racing in golfs i guess i should say but i guess roger had kind of made a little side bet or something with with all of his drivers this weekend yeah. or whatever whoever got the 600 win uh, he was going to give 600 dollars to and he was a man of his word and in victory lane gave six 
crisp, brand new $100 bills over to Joseph Newgarden. And Joseph brought those into Victory or into the media center and was counting it. Remember, people were giving him a hard time. Is that taxable? Is that, what money? What $600? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we had so much fun. Uh, I mean, Joseph was so, and, and, and I even got to, to talk to him afterwards after everybody had cleared out and it was so cool because I walk up and he's like, Hey Don. And you know, it's just, he mentioned during, during the interviews, you know, this is his 11th year racing. And I'm like, Joseph, where the hell's 11 years gone? We talked to Joseph when he was in Indy lights, when he was the Indy light champion. I remember. And it just seems like yesterday. I know, but you mentioned Scott McLaughlin, Don. You know he uh, was there in the, in that same press conference. Uh, one hundred and eighty-six laps that he led. You know he won the season opener at St. Pete, led one hundred and eighty-six laps. He appeared to be the winner, and then right there at the end, things changed. But he also had a little bit more to say in the in the uh, press conference. Looking back at it, if I could think about it and run it over through my head, which I already have done a million times, um, I just my car was tightening up. Um, especially in traffic and it probably wasn't handling um, exactly how I had at the start earlier in the race. And and I was sort of maxed out on my tools and I was trying to control the traffic so I didn't catch the traffic too much. And then in the end, the traffic actually checked up into me and knew it was going to be dramas going three and four, but the whole last stint, I really struggled with my um, turn at three and four. And uh, I just, I guess I wasn't prepared to take the risk on the outside at three, four, which I probably looking back at it should have, but my teammate, um, obviously Joseph chose to, and once he was there on the outside of me, I, I, you know, I can't do anything. So, um, yeah, look, I'm gutted and, and I'll reevaluate everything, um, over the next few days. And, um, but it's funny, you know, like last year I was fist pumping and jumping out of the car, finishing second today. I'm like, Oh, that sucks. But, uh, you know, that's how it is and that's how we're growing and, um, I'll learn from this and get better. And, um, yeah, I probably just need to, you know, expand you know like maybe risk a little bit more when i need to or try try different lines here and there and i'll learn that for the big one coming up in may and and um but one thing today was great you know 600 wins for the captain um if anyone's gonna beat me as my teammate it's literally like if anyone else beat me i'd be pissed so um well, i'm not i'm kind of pissed now but you know what i mean um but 600 wins for the team uh we led a lot of laps we extend the championship lead and and it's not all too bad so um but yeah, I'm a race driver. I want to win, and 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 it, and it definitely hurts. And I think he it was a great sport, you know, about that. He could have been, you know, bitter about finishing second and losing the race, but he took it took it well. I mean, and he was so funny. I remember when he said that, and I I even told you later on. I'm like. I really like this guy. He's hysterical. I mean, he, he was like, um, earlier in the day, he did a press conference and stuff too. And just some of the things he had said, he was just so funny. I mean, just yeah. really, really witty. And I, I like him. I really do. Definitely. And now, you know, we, we didn't talk about the rest of the top 10 results. Let me run through real quick. Cause uh, there's another guy I want to mention here in just a second. So we know that Joseph won the race. Scott finished second. Marcus Erickson took third. He had a great race. Willpower finished fourth. Dixon passed, you know, Jimmy Johnson there toward the end for a fifth, and he finished uh, fifth for Dixon. Sixth place was Jimmy Johnson. Alex Palou, uh seventh. Simon Paginal was eighth. Santino Ferrucci. This is the guy I want to talk about. Uh, Jack Harvey uh, had a had a crash. Um, I guess it was in qualifying or practice on uh, Saturday, and and they he was not medically cleared, so they. Uh, 
Santino uh, Ferrucci lives in the Dallas area. They gave him a call, and he came with his fire suit and helmet and and um, Hans device, and they fitted him in the car, and he started last and finished ninth. So we'll hear from him in just a second. But what a great finish for him, considering he had you know no seat time in this uh, this uh, car uh, other than the <laughs> warm up laps they had, and then Rhinus VK finished tenth. So. Uh, uh, good, good finish for him. And then um, another couple guys we're going to hear from in a minute is Elio and Graham Rahal, which they had uh, they crashed and uh, uh, didn't finish the race. Twenty seven guys in the, in the in the field. They had a good good field of cars and um, and uh, I overall thought it was a great great race. So I didn't know Santino. So Santino's living in the Dallas area. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. And I'm not sure if he talks about it in this interview, but let's go in and they talked to him after the race. Here's what he had to say on uh, pit road immediately after the finish. It's definitely a Sunday for me. Uh, not at all what I expected to be racing. I was going to race my couch and watch the race, a bunch of buddies, but um, uh, Ray Hall needed me to come in, fill in with the Hy-Vee car uh, for Jack. Very happy to do so. And, uh, you know, six laps of warm up, make sure that the car that they rebuilt last night, uh, they rolled a chassis out. So kudos to the team. Once again, uh, just always doing a fantastic job. Uh, my team in Indy that I'm racing for the 500 Dry Reinbolt, they sent my seat from their shop to get here, and we got it and put it in the car about 30 minutes before we went green. So everything was a little tight, but, uh, I mean, hey, passing cars left and right, come home with another top 10 finish. Uh, I can't complain. I can't thank Hy-Vee and the boys here enough. And there you go. And yeah, and I, I can't remember where they he lives. Uh, not too far from you, I think. They said they said it in. Um, I saw an interview. I can't remember where it was. Uh, I, I don't know. It escapes my mind. But he does live up in the Dallas Fort Worth area somewhere. Wow. Well, you know, him and Ziz became like best buds. I mean, remember Ziz was all about him. Yeah, I like Santino Ferrucci. I, 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 I mean, God, ever since we saw him a couple of years ago in the Indy 500, I've always dug him. And he had some great hair there on uh, on pit road the other day. His hair was just like a rock star going everywhere. It was awesome. So blonde and big, big curls and blowing yep. <laughs> like. Like like a hair look like a guy from one of the hair bands from the eighties. We gotta get Santino on the show. We definitely gotta get him back on the show. Definitely need to. Don, two uh, drivers that uh, were you know fan favorites and um, actually uh, favorites to possibly win this race was Graham Rahal and Alio, and and uh, they got collected up in a, in a crash on lap 128. We're not able to finish, and um, they caught up with them uh, outside the uh, infield care center. Here are the two drivers and what they had to say about their uh, wrecks and the incident they got involved in. Here we go. I understand that when the third guy goes in, in late corner, he should be the first one out. And uh, in this situation, obviously, there was a contact between those two guys. Uh, hundred laps to go, I think it's unnecessary to uh, make a risk like that. So I understand it could be like five laps to go, 10, 50 laps to go, but it's still a long race, and uh, especially this day, look at the years in place and three wide is very difficult. Gotta be a little bit more responsible. Uh, that's what will happen, so that they get out of the truck. But in the end of the day, we end up getting the, the worst of it because we're, we're just uh, outside and. Uh, Disappointing end to our day here in Texas uh, had made quite uh, a move forward. I thought things were shaping up pretty good to battle here at the end, but uh, you know these things happen. Um, obviously frustrated to be in that scenario, uh, being a little bit cautious on the start. Uh, but I thought you know we gave him room. I need to see it. Um, 
you know, but third man in needs to be first man out. I was trying to give Elio room on top two. You know, being stuck in the middle was a little tough. So, uh, you know, we're going to uh, soldier on here. I feel bad for the team and Fleet Cost and Karen, everybody that worked awfully hard to get us here. But um, it's part of the game, unfortunately. Uh, we've dug ourselves quite a hole here in points, so we're going to have to put our, put our head down and battle forward. Quite loud there at, outside the <laughs> infield care center. That's when the cars were going around that part of the track, you know, and, and it's, it's right there by that turn. And yeah, turn four. Four. So um, a little loud in the background. Yeah. And I mean, when Elio, when he wrecked, uh, he was pissed. I thought he was going to like take off running down the track or something there for a minute. He was, he was not happy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, he had a good car, you know, and he, and he, uh, qualified well and um he definitely um had had a chance to you know possibly win this race so i think he started uh started a sixth uh, in the in the in so and then uh, graham started uh well, graham did not have quite the uh, best effort qualifying he, he qualified 26 so uh he was down down the field there and never really did much but uh but graham has won there before and he's a fan favorite and um I just hated to see those two guys get knocked out of the race the way they did. The race was phenomenal. It, it just everything that you could have wanted from a race there at Texas Motor Speedway with the IndyCar series. It it just it was amazing and I really like I said like you and I both talked about last week. I really hope it's not the the last one that we see because it was a good one. Uh IndyCar's next race will be April 10th, the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. So uh that would be like I said, April 10th, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, 2 o'clock Central on the on NBC, I believe. Uh, if not, it'll be on Peacock, one of those, so you'll find it there. That's a long – that's the race, Dawn. They actually had the season finale last year was at Long Beach. Oh, okay. Because of the COVID restrictions and everything, they were not able to race when they wanted to have it earlier in the season. So what did they do? They moved it to the end, and when the COVID numbers got better, they had the race. And, and Long, Long Beach – the Long Beach Grand Prix is a long – standing race has been on the IndyCar series for years. I remember as a small kid, seven, eight years old, going out to see my grandmother who lived in Long Beach. We were, I was there quite a few times when the race was going on. We could hear the cars. And um, that's been a very favorite. Uh, you talk about a lot of people that come out for that race in California. They love the IndyCars and they race down by the water and by the where the Queen Mary ship is. Uh, docked and everything so that's going to be a race to, uh, to watch but hey before we uh stop talking about the indycar series you got to ask a question oh in the media center uh so uh we got to hear from dawn oh okay well let's hear from her all right so here's what you had to say <laughs> dawn hall track Snack radio hey jimmy um after covering you for almost two decades in nascar uh on our show this week, we listened to an interview that you did where you talked about you don't have a lot of, you don't feel a lot of pressure. You're out here having fun doing this, but knowing you and knowing the type of racer you are and you like to win, I, I just wondered coming out here after practice, after qualifying, do you start to feel, a, maybe not so much pressure, but it's familiar for you here. Do you feel a little different? Do you, you know, have, are you a little more eager? Is it not so much fun as it is going into it more, a little more work, do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, you're right. And I think you're, you're hitting on something. I mean, um, I am having fun and that's what this is about, this part of my, my life and my career. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a competitor and coming to an, an oval for the first time, my own personal expectations rise. Year two on road and street courses, my own personal expectations rise. Um, 
you know, I look back at St. Pete and the qualifying, I'm still very frustrated with, with how my performance, uh, the performance I gave in, in qualifying. Um, the race went much better and, and, um, and then I get here and qualifying 18th is my best qualifying effort, but in my, in my gut, I wanted to qualify top 10. That was just like an internal personal goal that I set. So to come up short, you know, I have that competitive spirit in me and, and wish that I was in the top 10 and uh, didn't have as much fun yesterday afternoon post-qualifying than I probably have at any other qualifying session to date. So yeah, you know, that it is a fine balance. I am a competitor. I, I am applying myself at 100% for this discipline and trying to learn these cars and tracks. Um, so it's not that I'm just mailing it in. You know, I am putting forth the big effort, but at the end of the day, um, when frustration normally sits in, that's, that's where it's different now. And I remind myself like, you know, this isn't, uh, I'm not 20 in my career. You know, this, this is my 2.0. I am doing this to have fun and enjoying it. Hi guys, this is for either of you. Don Hall, Tracksmack Radio. Um, do you think the day race, racing in the daytime, played a factor in us seeing more passing, being able to move up and, and run higher lines than, than you had been in the past, where I know y'all have been worried about the PJ1 and stuff. Do you think the daytime racing, though, made for better racing than normally when y'all have been racing here in the evening, or did you not really tell a difference? No, it's definitely, it wasn't the daytime running. It's the changes to the aerodynamic package. You know, we were running quite a bit more downforce than last year. The head, the, the wind direction was different today than normal. Normally we're getting a tailwind down the front straight. Today we had a headwind. So that also aids the passing. Um, and also I, I actually think the, the session they ran yesterday cleaned up a little bit of the second lane. Yeah, it really did. Like I wouldn't have been able to do what I did in three and four last year. There's just no way I would have hit the fence for sure. They almost need to do that. Not only here. I think they should do that everywhere. Just build that because no one's going to run mm -hmm. the 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 slower lane. <laughs> you know, people don't do that. Like we we're focused on quality. And I think like Gateway and you know, I'm sure Iowa will bet it in. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree with Joseph. I think extra downforce was helpful. I personally, I like a night race. I think prime time is always awesome. Um, but we don't make those decisions. Our boss does this bloke. <laughs> and there you go. So good job, Don. Uh, good. That's a good question. You know, I, and I would kind of disagree. I think the day race made for a better race. I you know, too. I think they, they like the night race in Texas is, you know, that's been the tradition for God. I don't know how many years, but, um, they've been racing at night, but well, ever since I started covering yeah. some races been during the day, the, the evening and everything, but, um, I kind of liked it during the day and we got out of there early and we started early. There was uh, quite a few people complaining about the early start. Yeah. Like uh, that church and all sorts of other stuff. I mean, I don't know, Mike, how many people go to church and then go to the race? You know, I mean, if you're going to the race day, I mean, you get to the track early, no matter what, whether it's a two o'clock start, whether what you're, you're going to be at the track early. And so people just want to complain to complain. I think that that's true. And then these keyboard warriors get on there and it doesn't matter, you know, what's, what's happened. I mean, we, you know, could have had a three wide finish at the, uh, a three wide car finish at the finish line and they'd still be complaining about it. Yeah, no, it, the race was good. I, I agree with you. I mean, there is something special about the night race. You know, you get to see, of course, the, the sparks and the, the, the lights, you know, the way the lights hit the cars and stuff. It, I mean, it, it, it's pleasing. It's aesthetically pleasing to the eye and all. But 
I felt like the cars, and the reason I asked the question is because to me, it just seemed like the cars moved around a lot easier because it was warmer outside. So they, the grip was a little bit better. They were able to, to move and maneuver. And so I, I, I was aware of the new downforce package, but I, I wasn't quite sure if that's what the answer was or was it maybe just because there was a temperature change. We always, when we would go to Indy or to Indy, to Texas for the IndyCar race, they always practice and qualified and everything during the heat of the day. And yeah. I, and every, every year, just about, I always ask the, you know, different IndyCar drivers, do you really get a sense of how you're going to race when you're practicing and qualifying during the heat of the day? Plus it used to be in June. So it's like, you know, we, it, whereas then you would go and race in the evening when it was still like, you know, 85 or 90, but it was windy and cooler out of the track. And so that's why I just thought maybe the racing was different because it was during the daytime. Yeah, you're right. And temperature makes a big difference. And uh, so, um, but I, I really like the, the daytime race. If the cars come back in 2023, it'll be interesting to see what time of year did they keep the race, you know, this early in the year? Do they go back to the summer? And do we have a day race or a night race? That's going to yeah. be a good question. But I hope, and keeping my fingers crossed, that we will work some kind of contract out and we'll have the cars back uh, in 2023. Well, I hope you're right. And and I had a great time, Mike. We had a great time hanging out. Oh, yeah. I got to, to bring uh, Philip Tanner from former mm -hmm. Dallas Cowboys running back and Dallas Cowboys coach. He had a great time. Him and his girlfriend had an amazing time. And now he's stoked and can't wait to come back and, and, and go to NASCAR and, and check out a NASCAR event. So uh, we'll have to get Philip on. I want to get him on and, and, and we'll kind of uh, debrief with him and see his yeah. thoughts and stuff. Because, you know, interesting. Again, he had never been to any sort of racing. And, you know, he told me, Mike, in the, in the uh, media center – he really, really likes drag racing and would love to to go and check out a drag race. And so I told him, I said, "Hey, just you know, let me know." And and my guy Mike there, he'll you know, we'll we'll get you out to NHRA. Uh, so that's when we were talking about that in the media center. He needs uh, a good dose of nitro and and that loud, uh, you know, eleven thousand horsepower top fuel or funny car going down the track and rattle his insides real good. Uh, he needs to experience that. Everybody, everyone needs to experience that at least once in their life. <laughs> well, and what I love is, is Philip, you know, if, if you're a Cowboys fan, like a diehard and you, you know what play different players look like and stuff without the helmets on and all, then, then, you know, you know, uh, there's people that are like that, like me that know who people are and would recognize them. But you should have seen, I can't tell you how many times there in the infield, Philip got stopped by people talking to him. Let me guess. Um, you bench press what? Or, I mean, you and you leg press this. And, oh, my God, those legs. Because Philip is obsessed with shorts. Like, he wears shorts. He he always has on, like, a sweatshirt, but he'll wear shorts no matter what. And dude has just got, like, I mean, his legs are just – I. Right, Mike? I mean, I'm not exaggerating. He's no. got huge, huge legs. He definitely works his legs out daily. Yeah, he's, he's in good shape. <laughs> um, and he's vegan. <laughs> well, and that's what's so weird is people freak out, too, because he's vegan. And so, I mean, the, yeah, and it, it, it's, it's just crazy how he's able to have the physique that he does. And yet, you know, he's, he's vegan, so he's not taking in a lot of protein and stuff. No. I mean... But just amazing guy, amazing shit. He had a great time, and so that's what it's all about. But uh, 
Well, what about the picks for Coda? I, I know. I, I know you're ready. So I'm going to let you jump in, and, and I always let you go first. So, Mike, who are you going with? All right. I'm going to say that the uh, next driver from Hendrick Motorsports that gets in is Chase <laughs> Elliott. I'm going to go Chase for the win. Okay. I'm going to go uh, – my long shot driver is going to be um, Kyle Busch because – Kyle, you know, did well in the Xfinity race, and I think he uh, is almost there for a win if he doesn't stub his toe or whatever along the way. And in my really, really long shot, I'm gonna still going to stick with Turex. I think Turex is close to getting a victory as well. He, he's always a good road racer. So uh, those are my three picks for this week. Wow, so you didn't go dinger, huh? Is no. Your... Okay. Um well, it's it's funny too that you mentioned that about Chase because did you ever think that here six races or five races in that every one of the Hendrick drivers would be locked in except for Chase Elliott? Yeah, it's crazy. And I know they're I know they're working. Hendrick Motorsports is working hard to get him in, and they they want to get all four of their drivers in. Yeah, well, and I think I think it's going to happen sooner than later. So uh, maybe this weekend, you know, he, he he did well last year there, so. We'll have to wait and see. Well, I'm going to go Kyle Larson for the win. So we're both going with Hendrick drivers, but I'm going to go Kyle Larson for the win. I was going to go Truex as my uh, my long shot, but now okay. that you didn't take Dinger, I'll take Dinger in there as, as my long shot. And then okay. my really, really, really long shot, um, I have to do it. It's a road course. I got to do it for the said heads. I'm going to go Boris said, um, you, you know, he'll be driving the 66 car. And, hey, anything can happen. And Boris, when you think road wow. courses, you think Boris said. I think of Boris said, and I think about a guy named Ron Fellows. They were, it seemed like those guys were always racing these road courses out in California, usually at Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where they would show up. Well, Mike, I had a great time this weekend. I are this past weekend. I can only hope that this coming weekend at Coda, you have just as much fun. Just don't have too much fun. It's not going to be the same without you. So don't have too much fun without me. I I will. (laughs) I want to have fun. That's part of part of it. It's not all work. Yeah. A little fun. Yeah, for sure. But but I'm really glad to be there. I'm glad to see the uh, track again and i'm anxious to see how the cars this new car does on this track and i think we're in for a good weekend of racing and at least the weather is supposed to be beautiful all three days sunny and 86 each day well make sure you uh are checking out mike's website racedaysa.com uh throughout the weekend and mike uh take some video or whatever send it to me shoot it my way and i'll make sure to or if you post stuff up on social media i'll make sure i share it and uh, and and have a good time. Make sure you share with me what whatever food you're eating. Food well, I'm going to go hit the Grand Plaza for the food trucks. I'm going to do a little story for the website on the eats and drinks that they have out there, and uh, so the fans can see what what they're in for. Because they they had last year they did that, and it was a huge hit. Some of the great Austin food trucks, and there's a whole bunch of them in Austin. They're going to have a bunch of them out there, so uh, I'm going to see uh, what's in store in the Grand Plaza. All right. Well, make sure to rub it in my face. I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, uh, you be careful on your way up to Austin. And uh, the rest of you guys, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the race from Coda, whether you're out there or you're watching it on television or listening to the Performance Racing Network and Doug Rice, Mark Garrow, and the rest of the crew with their call. And uh, we'll touch base with you next week when we find out 
who won there at CODA. Have a great one. Look at the dinger there for for one of your fantasy picks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.